Welcome to Civics and Coffee. My name is Alicia, and I am a self-professed history nerd. Each week, I'm going to chat about a topic on U.S. history and give you both the highlights and occasionally break down some of the complexities in history and share stories you may not remember learning in high school, all in the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. Hey peeps, welcome back. According to Pew researchers, more than 1 million individuals immigrate to the United States each year. According to their study, more than 40 million people living in this country were born outside of its borders, equating to roughly 13.7% of the U.S. population. America is known throughout the world as a nation of immigrants. From the first European settlers arriving on the shores in the 17th century, to the refugees from Vietnam and Afghanistan. The United States has made a public relations campaign out of being a melting pot. In recent years, many have spoken about the need to have immigration reform. Some want to make it harder to gain entry into the country, while others feel the system is too cumbersome for those looking to work for their version of the American dream. But how did immigration even begin in the United States? Did we always count the individuals who arrived along the shores? How did the first set of immigrants arrive? And when did the federal government get involved? This week, I am starting the conversation about the history of immigration in the United States and the first pieces of legislation that addressed it. Grab your cup of coffee, peeps. Let's do this. Immigration and the history of it within the United States is a broad and nuanced topic. Like I have attempted to do with the topic of slavery, I hope to provide several snapshots of the policy of the United States as it relates to immigration throughout this podcast. The United States has had an inconsistent and sometimes contradictory approach to new arrivals, and in many examples, was more reactionary than visionary. Now, having said all of that, this episode is focused on one of the first bills aimed at the idea of immigration, the Steerage Act of 1819. So let's dive in. If you've listened to the pod since episode one, then you know I've already covered the indigenous people who migrated and settled here long before European contact. So when discussing immigration and those new to the nation, I am focused on those who entered the country after the arrival at Jamestown in 1619. Upon the establishment of the first colonies along the new land held by the crown, Hundreds of individuals saw the potential opportunity that existed across the Atlantic. For some, it was a chance to establish themselves as merchants or farmers. For others, it was a chance to start again and begin anew. And for a certain number, it was a way to fulfill their prison sentence. As is true throughout the history of humans, there were several push-pull factors at play when making the decision to settle in the newly acquired territory to the West. Great Britain was a land of aristocracy and titles. Perhaps, in the new country, one could make a name for themselves for what they produced versus what family they were born into. And as the country started to take shape and declare its independence from Britain, a new American identity began to emerge. No longer considering themselves British subjects, the colonists were slowly starting to see themselves as citizens of a new nation. In March 1790, Congress passed a law outlining who was eligible to apply for citizenship. 
to qualify under the Naturalization Act. One had to be a free white person of, quote, good character, end quote, and lived in the country for two years or longer. And as the New Republic acquired more land, the excitement and interest of potential immigrants also increased. While immigration averaged about 6,000 per year in the early years of the Republic, this number dropped off during the War of 1812 due to the tensions between Britain and the United States. However, once peace was settled, those interested in the various opportunities America offered again set sail and immigration exploded. Between 1790 and 1820, almost 300,000 individuals journeyed to the United States. Mainly composed of Western Europeans, these settlers established farms, manufacturing posts, and shipyards, all in the hopes of making enough of a profit to have a family and perhaps expand their holdings. Getting to the United States, however, was a treacherous and arduous undertaking. Unlike today, where one simply has to board a plane and fall asleep for a few hours, the first immigrants to the country came to shore via the cargo holds of merchant ships. And these ships were still powered by the wind and tide of the sea, as the steamboat was still a few years off. This meant a long journey, often several weeks and sometimes several months, before reaching the intended destination. I've mentioned in prior shows and have hinted at the beginning of this episode that it wasn't the aristocrats and gentry that sailed to the new country to establish the colonies. Most of those who made the trek across the Atlantic did so for the opportunity of economic freedom and prosperity and were very poor. As such, when they chose to immigrate to the new territory, they had very little money to secure their passage and often paid a bare minimum price to sail in steerage. The holds were unsanitary and a breeding ground for disease. Unconcerned with the quality of passage for the poorest ticket holders, many shipping companies failed to retrofit their ships to accommodate passenger travel, often treating those holding tickets as simply extra cargo. Hundreds of individuals were crammed into tight spaces with little or no ventilation. Ships failed to install a bathroom in the cargo hold, and so anyone who needed to use the restroom had to use a bucket, which remained below deck. As you might imagine, the lack of ventilation made the months-long journey less than ideal. One of the biggest issues for the passengers and steerage was the spread of diseases. Typhoid, cholera, and smallpox all had a field day amongst the tight quarters, easily jumping from host to host who had little personal space and no sanitation available to them. Food and water also proved to be in short supply, often leading to individuals coming down with dysentery. Of course, as uncomfortable as these steerage accommodations were, they were nothing compared to what the kidnapped Africans dealt with during the Middle Passage. Often, the enslaved individuals were chained together and forced to lay flat on their backs for the months-long journey, often with only inches between themselves and the person next to them. And, unlike the Europeans who purchased a ticket, the Africans arriving on the shores of the United States definitely did not sign up for their journey. But regardless of how they arrived, the overseas journey often took a heavy toll and port cities were inundated with sick and dying immigrants overwhelming cities like New York, Philadelphia, and Charleston. This sense of overwhelm prompted Congress to act, and on March 2, 1819, they passed the Steerage Act. 
considered the first federal law devoted to immigration policy, the bill attempted to improve conditions for individuals traveling via steerage. Requirements included establishing minimum provisions for boarders, including 60 gallons of water and 100 pounds of bread per passenger, and levied a $150 penalty to any captain who overloaded their vessel with too many people. The bill also required for the first time the keeping of a list of passengers, including their age, country of origin, and final destination, and the names and numbers of any passengers who died along the journey. Quote, The captain or master of any ship or vessel arriving in the United States, from any foreign place whatever, at the same time that he delivers a manifest of the cargo, shall also deliver and report to the collector of the district in which such ship or vessel shall arrive, a list or manifest of passengers taken on board of the said ship. It shall be the duty of the said master to designate particularly the age, sex, and occupation of the said passengers. End quote. These lists mark the first time the United States tracked individuals by their country of origin. The idea of immigration policy did not exist at this point and would still take several years to develop. For example, there were no agencies or posts set up to assist newly arrived immigrants entering into the country. No resettlement agencies or immigration officers checking for disease or criminal record. However, the Steerage Act helped lay the groundwork for future legislation aimed at identifying, and then excluding, certain individuals from entering the country based on their country of origin. While the bill was a necessary first step towards improving the experiences of those newly entering the country, it was lacking. First, the requirement for minimum provisions only applied to ships leaving the United States. Therefore, anyone coming from overseas was still at risk for disease and malnutrition. Secondly, the law was written in such a way that many captains continued to overload their vessels. Its main lasting impact was the creation of lists of new arrivals. The lists collected at the ports would be forwarded to the Secretary of State, who made a report to Congress on a consistent basis, documenting just how many people were arriving and from where. These lists would later provide the necessary conduit for Congress to pass laws limiting or outright banning immigration of individuals from what was then considered undesirable countries. Sailing conditions remained precarious for ship travelers until 1855, when Congress passed the Carriage of Passengers Act. This law specified the maximum number of people allowed in steerage based on square footage of the vessel and specified the provisions to be stocked in every ship. Additionally, the law mandated the ships have some form of ventilation, a doctor available, and a bathroom for every 100 passengers. One of the most impactful segments of the bill was the assessment of a fine to the captain for any individual listed on the manifest who died of, quote, natural disease, end quote. This bill was in response to the thousands of Irish immigrants who crammed their way into steerage fleeing their country due to the potato famine. And because the 1819 bill only required ships leaving America to carry the requisite provisions, many of these hopeful immigrants died on their journey from disease and malnutrition. The vessels they arrived on later became coined as coffin ships. Talk about dark. The United States, though tracking entrants and their country of origin, would not work to limit or restrict individual arrivals for another few decades. 
Of course, as soon as immigration policies were introduced, they were almost immediately focused on limiting the number of entrants of certain nationalities. In 1875, the first set of exclusions focused on banning criminals, prostitutes, and Chinese contract laborers. Because they're all on the same level of terrible, right? And though we'll dive into them in future episodes, the Know-Nothings became the first anti-immigrant political party. Formed in 1849, the Know-Nothings championed a nativist vision for the country, and ironically went by the Native American Party before switching their moniker to simply the American Party in 1855. Before the country had a chance to develop any semblance of a coherent immigration policy, the Steerage Act provided the United States with data in which to track who was entering the country. While the bill also tried and failed to improve the journey for those immigrating, its ultimate and lasting legacy is the manifests of individuals arriving into the country. Manifests that would eventually be used to restrict immigrants in the years and decades to come. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please consider a rate and review. The places are ever-evolving, so pick your favorite. Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or Podchaser. Your reviews help spread the word, and I am not kidding when I say they make me smile. Lastly, if you ever want me to cover a topic, send me a message. I am active on the Instagram at Civics and Coffee, and on the Twitter space at CivicsPod. Also, if you're a fan of the video mode of entertainment and have a short attention span, you can also check me out on TikTok. Just look for Civics and Coffee. See you next week, peeps. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Civics and Coffee. If you want to hear more small snippets from American history, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to our next cup of coffee together. This bill was, again, in response to the thousands of no longer considering themselves British citizens. For example, there were no agencies or posts set up to assess. They were almost immediately focusing on... While the bill also tried and failed to improve the journey for those immigrating, its ultimate and lasting...